0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: It's a Guy Jeans podcast.
2: Hey, you guys. Welcome to the podcast. This is Guy Jeans, your host. I'm gonna give you guys a little scenario. You know, when I was a kid, I did all kinds of different jobs. I uh, mowed lawns, I dug ditches, um, did gardening, um, did all kinds of stuff, but I always had a ghetto blaster (laughs) nearby playing music. Um, Usually my station was tuned to a Santa Barbara station called KTYD or uh, KMET in Los Angeles um, or KLOS in Los Angeles and uh, they had a huge, Uh, area that they covered uh, from Los Angeles and they always have a band on there uh, called Foghat and so I grew up listening to this band so it's an honor to have them on my podcast um, and talk about their music and and whatnot Um, so I'd be listening to them while I was mowing lawns digging ditches whatever it was Um, I was listening to the songs like Slow Ride, Pool for the City, I Just Want to Make Love to You, Third Time, Lucky, Driving Wheels, Stone Blue, Honey Hush, Home In My Land, Road Fever, Tarot Plane Blues. All these songs have been played on the radio. Um, These guys have been around uh, for a long time since 1977. Um, The band just turned 52 years old, man. It's crazy. So in November of this year, um, they're going to release a new album called Sonic Mojo. And they're still out on the road, traveling across the land and bringing their infectious boogie to packed houses full of adoring pens nearly every night. And a Foghat concert is every bit as much fun and intense in 2023 as it was in 1977 when their classic multi-platinum album, multi-platinum album, man, that's crazy. Foghat Live broke them around the world. So this album, Foghat Live, got them notoriety all around the world. Looking back, it's only fitting that it was a live album that made Foghat a household name. And the band, of course, wouldn't have it any other way. So I've got the lead singer. um, His name's Scott Holt. And Scott is recently the new lead singer uh, for Foghat. He joined in 2022. But Scott has an interesting uh, music history and music career. And that he used to play with Buddy Guy and played with him for 10 years. Um, he's, he's played with all kinds of different uh, musicians and I get to talk to him about his musical career and what he's been do, doing all these years. Um, he's from uh, Tennessee and he's made homes in Texas and Mississippi. And he's been playing for a long, long time. And um, he's recorded and performed with B.B. King, Albert Collins, Junior Wells, John, John Lee Hooker, Otis Rush, Willie Dixon, Coco Taylor, Eric Clapton, Carlos Santana, Santana, and the and it goes on and on. Steve Miller, and all kinds of different people. And uh, his story is is amazing. And I'm looking forward for you guys to hear our uh, really great conversation, not only about Foghat but also about Scott Holt. So check it out, you guys. This is a good one. God, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good, guy. How you doing?
2: I'm doing good. Um, I'm stoked that you were, uh, as we were talking to you earlier, I was stoked you were listening to my band, man. That was cool.
1: Yeah, man. You guys sound great.
2: Thanks, man. Um, have you played with, with many uh, horns?
1: Uh, you know, I've done some stuff. Uh, when I was with Buddy, we had a horn section for a while, and then uh, I've done some work with some horn players in Nashville. So uh, so yeah, I've, I've worked with them a few times, yeah. It's fun, huh? Yeah, it is fun. It gives us a different texture and it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's fun and it's different from what I normally do. So that's cool.
2: I have, uh, so many questions for you, man. And, you know, of course about fog hat and stuff, but also, um, your history, you know, reading about you and, and, uh, the amount of people that you've played with, you know, buddy guy, um, I, one, one, uh, I wanted to ask you real quick about, uh, Joe Lewis Walker, man, did you, did you tour with him or just play on tracks or what did you do with him?
1: I didn't tour with Joe, but but we've we've known each other forever. I've crossed paths with Joe a million times. We've played together on stage. I bet, yeah, a bunch and, and and Joe's just—he's a fantastic guitar player and just just a really good guy. And, and I'm I'm happy to call him my friend. So.
2: Dude, I got to see him open up uh, for uh, Huey Lewis. He was doing a I guess a tour with um, Huey. Um, and I saw him, right. I saw him play uh, at the Greek uh, Theater in Los Angeles. Um, nice, and uh, got to meet him and and uh, went backstage and all this kind of stuff. It was kind of cool just to see it from that uh, that angle. You know, looking out at the crowd it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I and mean, he's a monster player, and and, yeah. and what a history he's got. I mean, he lived with Mike Bloomfield. And, I mean, he goes back you know a ways with that stuff. So,
2: so tell me your your history with Buddy Guy. I mean, that's such a sounds like such a cool story um you being a, a young kid and then going and playing with him, man can you tell me a little bit about that
1: yeah yeah i i, I met buddy um back in like 1985 or 6 i think um i got joined his band in 89 and i was with him until 2000 um and i had just started playing guitar about a year before i joined the band and, and was kind of that's crazy you know, right trying, trying to get it together yeah i mean he, <laughs> he was real good to me he, he you know i didn't know anything and he he let me learn on the job you know and and just awesome. let me you know make mistakes and and figure out how to correct them and, and just i learned everything from him so
2: you know having mentors like that man i mean what a what a blessing huh
1: he was he was just such a great great graceful person you know i mean he he like I said, he he let me make mistakes and he let me figure it out. And he, you know, he kind of led through example. He never really sat me down and said, you know, you should do X, Y, and Z. He just, he just knew I was watching him. And and of course, you know, I mean, backstage or whatever before a show, I I would ask him questions. You know, how did you do this or how do you play this part right here? Or, you know, when you were doing this, you know, and he always answered me. He was never like, hey, leave me alone. I'm trying to get ready for the show or anything like that. He was always right there just you know whatever i've asked him he would tell me he's still to this day i call him right now and say that john lee hooker riff that you play what, what key do you do that in He'd, he'll tell me you know? <laughs> really so that's a good friend i have
2: and he's and he's still going huh
1: still going man 87 so cool. years old and, wow. and touring harder than i think he's toured in a long time you know
2: Uh huh. have you so. have, have you toured with him and and what was that like
1: it was well like i said that was my first job i'd never been on you know i'd never been in a band
2: that's crazy man i
1: know i know and and i got to see the whole arc with him when i joined the band he was still it was before the record deal so he was still in a van and we were staying in motels and and playing clubs but they were packed i mean mean, every night was a sellout and you know but we were playing five six hundred seat clubs in the states and then when we would go overseas, it was theaters and bigger audiences and stuff like that. So, and then once you got the record deal, and then it, it changed from a van to a tour bus, and then we started staying in
2: nice places. Up and yeah.
1: you know <laughs> you got to, you got to experience the whole the whole thing. So it was it was a cool cool trip. Did, us you,
2: did you find that the audiences in you know overseas were were bigger back then and and more. Um, you guys were more appreciated
1: over there absolutely absolutely 100 percent, man they were they were more respectful and and music seems to be you know and i'll probably get in trouble for saying this but overseas audiences seem to respect music more and 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 care for it more and i think it's because i I think american audiences are just you know we we have it in our backyard so we take it for granted you know it's it's not like you know you can you can go see a a a great blues artist tonight somewhere you know you can go see a great rock band in some club somewhere tonight Mm -hmm. and and we have that all the time and a lot of times overseas i don't think i don't think they get it on that regular kind of basis and i think they appreciate it
2: i've heard that uh multiple times man in some of my uh interviews with other artists that have played overseas and in europe and they're just you know they're just like oh my god you know even yeah. even some of my my uh, my buddies that are in uh, punk bands, you know, they're going over there and they're just yeah. ki- they're just killing it, you know, playing uh, old eighties punk, you know, and, yeah, and still having a blast. I mean, it's,
1: it's it's a different it's a different element, you know. But I mean it, and not that I don't appreciate American audiences because they, yeah. have, you know, they're their own thing.
0: Yeah. But
1: it's just uh, it's it's when when you go to Europe or you go overseas anywhere, you know. I played in South America. I played all over the world with buddies. So we went to every country and, and and hands down everywhere outside the U S was bigger audiences, crazier, you know, more, more respectful of the music and, and, you know, you go to a place like Japan and you think you're in the Beatles, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, they got to get you from A to B and there's it's like a whole different deal. So,
2: so you started playing with him when you were 19, right? Is that, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that? I mean, that is, I mean, he must've seen something in you, right?
1: Something, I don't know. You, know. you know, we, we got, we just got along really well. My, my relationship with Buddy kind of reminds me of my relationship with, with Roger. Um, and that we we just had some things in common yeah. and and it was more you know when I got with buddy i didn 't fully understand who he was in the, in the in the musical firmament you know i didn 't understand what a what a key role he was as a as a guitar player and as a musician and an entertainer. I just knew he was a great guitar player, and it wasn 't until you know over the period of time that I was with him, that I started to understand people like Eric Clapton looked up to him. You know, Jimi Hendrix came to buddy guy shows, you know, Carlos Santana (laughs) would would come to sit in with buddy guy. uh And, and those things kind of, you know, if I had known all that when I got (laughs) with him, if if I I probably would have just frozen. All right, man. So, yeah. So just playing with buddy and having all those guys come and, and pay homage to him you know, was, was enlightening for me to understand, you know, where he was in the, in the grand scheme of things. So.
2: Yeah. Pretty incredible, man. Um, I, like I was saying, you know, being that young, he must've, uh, must've seen something in you and uh, you know, end up playing, you know, what a, what a calling, man. I mean, you know, from going from that and then, you know, your career kind of blossom from there and you got to learn from about being on the road and touring Did you ever write songs with him? And
1: I never wrote with Buddy. Um, I've 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 written some songs that he's actually recorded, which I was real proud of.
2: Um, Oh yeah, for sure.
1: And and uh, you know when I when I when I was with Buddy, you know he would always say things like, "Well, you know when you get your own band or when you you know because there was always that that understanding that you know I wasn't just going to be his guitar player for the rest of my career. I didn't know what I was going to do. And and you know when i when i finally left him in 2000 i I'd, I'd put out my second record and the record label wanted me to tour and support mm-hmm. the record and it was, we were trying to figure out a way to do it and stay with buddy and it just wasn't wasn't happening so that's why i ended up leaving and then um you know i ended up doing seven records on my own and and i i got to understand that part of the the business where you're the guy in charge and you're the guy that has yeah. to get the band from a to b and <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's your van and your insurance and, uh-huh. you know yeah. it becomes a different different animal when it's all hanging on you so what was it like that for
2: for you like going from you know playing you know these these sold out shows to like was, was it almost like starting over playing again it-
1: it was exactly like starting over you go from playing sold out shows and somebody hands you your guitar yeah. and all of a sudden you know you got to find your own guitar and there's 30 people there and you know yeah. the club owners trying to pay you with a frozen pizza and a case of beer and you're like no man, i gotta have the 200 bucks to get to the next town you know yeah yeah. so it's it's you know i and you need those things i mean as a For musician sure. you know you you have to have those things if you don't ever get that you don't appreciate any of it yeah. you know and it's and it's given me a different you know, getting the gig with Foghat, I have a different pers- perspective than I would have if I'd have gone straight from Buddy to Foghat. I had to have those those year, those lean years and the the harder years, because now you know I appreciate every second that I'm on stage, every second that I'm on the road. You know, I'm 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 the the most grateful musician in the world. I guarantee. Yeah.
2: You. Gosh, you know, um, a lot of people have no idea, you know, how hard musicians work and the traveling you know and it's just it's unbelievable i got a i got a friend he was on the podcast as well and his name's kyle smith and this this guy is working his butt off man he's played yeah. at, at every state and been in a van traveling getting sick you know <laughs> just yeah i mean and you gotta
1: yeah. uh, you gotta do it you know and and yeah. that's the thing man you you you, you don't have sick days you don't have any of that stuff. The audience doesn't care if you've got a fever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. They don't they don't care that you didn't get lunch this afternoon. They don't care that you you know you're needing some sleep. They they paid they bought their ticket and they want to be entertained and that's that's your gig. So
2: So how you know? do you go about like uh, writing your songs and stuff? I mean, is it's how Man, Tell me about the process
1: that you do that? It's it's kinda like, you know, finding a four leaf clover or seeing a rainbow. You can't you can't plant it and you can't Right. for it yeah you know, it just it comes to you and, and and they come when you're not expecting it they uh-huh. come when you're you know like if i'm sitting there with my guitar playing around and i stumble on some chord change that sounds interesting or it, it inspires me to you know to write a lyric and all of a sudden you know you're in the middle of writing a song yeah. um and then you know with with uh, foghat you know we've we've written a ton of songs already and and a lot of those just come you know, somebody will say something that sparks an idea and, and there you go. And you're off and running. So, you know, I've, I've never had a, a formula for songwriting. It's just always kind of been a happy accident.
2: Do you, do you find that some of the, your best songs come really fast?
1: Yeah. The best ones for me are, are the quickest and the easiest, the ones that you have to labor over and, and, and wrestle with. They never quite, you know, they never quite come together or, or if if they do, they, never sound right
2: yeah isn't that but isn't that interesting
1: i think it's just you know when you when you open yourself up to the frequency you know and you yeah. and you just accept it as 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 it comes it's it's going to be easier anything in life that you have to force you yeah. know that that should tell you something right there if you're having to force it that it's not yeah. it's not meant to be or it's not for you, you
2: yeah know? it's it do you think it's kind of like almost like a gift that you're getting. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I think music is one of the one of the most amazing gifts that we've been given. That's why it's you know, it's always been a, a big part of my life. It's always been a significant part of my life. But the, the older I get and the longer I live, the more I realize the power of it. You know, we were talking earlier about being overseas. I've seen music transcend every boundary that you can imagine, including language boundaries. You know, yeah. you go to Japan and they sing the lyrics back to you and and they don't you know they don't even sometimes don't even speak english but but they, they get the words right yeah <laughs> you
2: yeah know? exactly i've seen that so many times just on uh on videos it's incredible. yeah and they don't speak english but they're singing all the english lyrics
1: <laughs> yeah and i've seen i've seen these studies that they do with people with uh dementia or alzheimer's and one of the last things that they lose is their ability to to play an instrument or sing sing lyrics that that, that stays with them yeah you know when all the other stuff's gone music is just it's it's an amazing powerful force and and you know we're we're lucky to have it that's for sure
2: my grandma had dementia man and um she was in the hospital uh and uh i would go they had a piano in there in the room that she would hang out in Mm -hmm. and i would play the piano for her and you know she would go from like not doing anything to like all of a sudden like expressing like facial gestures and stuff it was amazing yeah it's yeah. unbelievable the power of music huh
1: i'm telling you man it's 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 something dude
2: you are you're you're have you done anything else or have you always played music
1: i've always played music i don't yeah. i don't i'm not really <laughs> equipped to do.
2: Much. <laughs> that's your gift man that's your <laughs> yeah. absolute calling
1: for sure yeah i don't i don't i don't know how to do anything else i don't think
2: what's your uh what's your favorite song that you've ever written
1: that i've written i like um i wrote a song called civil war i kind of like that one that one uh-huh. seems to is that, a good response from people is that new uh no it's it's uh-huh. i've had it for a few years it's yeah. uh it came out on a record i did called chip front tooth and uh it became awesome. kind of a, a favorite for the live thing uh uh-huh. and so that that one and then uh I wrote one. I co-wrote one with Tom Hambridge and a guy named Richard Fleming that, that Buddy recorded called "One Day Away," and I'm real proud of that one because cause, of course because Buddy cut it, so that was that was a kick for me. Oh, he did? Yeah, uh. yeah He did it on. Uh, I think he did it on his album Rhythm and Blues.
2: Wow. So what's the, what's the like the biggest crowd that you've played at with Buddy, or or just ever? Well,
1: we did we did some rock festivals in Europe um, that had you know pretty huge crowds and and you know we we opened some shows for the stones and and when you open for the stones you're you know that's that's a big audience oh so my, we we did two shows in vegas at the mgm grand and we did two shows at the rose bowl in pasadena california and, and uh they were <laughs> they were big shows so that was what's that like for you man like it was crazy. It, it was all crazy, though. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you know, opening for the the Stones. You know, you're you're on this massive stage. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and they love Buddy, so there's no you yeah. know there's no restrictions on us. You know, and you know they this was the Voodoo Lounge tour, so they had an entire club nightclub backstage for for <laughs> for, awesome. for for the band and for the for the hangers on. So you'd be back there, and and Keith Richards and Ron Wood are playing snooker in this bar that's got a jukebox and waitresses and a bartender and, and, and
2: oh you just looking God. at
1: all this, this stuff and going, well, this is insane. You know,
2: that's crazy. Did you, it was wild. Do you remember like walking up on stage the first time, like in front of like that big of an audience? What was, what was that oh, feeling yeah. like? What's yeah. that like? Is that hard? It's to- just,
1: <laughs> it's so overwhelming that you can't even get scared. You know, you don't, you don't even get stage fright. Cause it's just, it's, it's too big. You can't even take it all in. You just, you just play your gig and, you know, wow. I mean, that the, the biggest things that we did, you know, I mean, and with Buddy, I I was on the Tonight Show with, with Carson and, and on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Yeah. We did, you know, we did um, Austin City Limits a couple of times. Everything that we did, it was just, it was so big and coming at you so fast that you're just like, okay, yeah, we, we got to do Austin City Limits. And then we're, you know, then we're headed to wherever. Yeah. And you never, you never really could take the time to get nervous about it, you know.
2: Uh-huh. And how was Buddy? Was he was he uh, pretty good?
1: Oh uh, he was Buddy Buddy man. is stone cold. Yeah, he never gets nervous about anything. I don't <laughs> <pray>. <laughs> when you're buddy guy, you just you've done it all, you've seen it all, nothing's gonna shake you, I don't think.
2: Well being a player too, right? Like uh you know, he's kinda like the what, what most people are focused on. And so yeah. you you're kinda backing him, so it's a it's like really not like total pressure but you gotta play your notes right and everything but
1: yeah I right? mean, I, like you said you don't you the heat's not on you yeah you know, when you're in that situation but at the same time you know buddy was always pushing me to the front you know he was yeah, I, you know, I, oh man i played i played solos constantly and he would get me to uh-huh. sing songs and yeah, he was always pushing me out there so
2: god man what a what a yeah. blessing
1: i know sure. i
2: know so going from going from uh you know doing all that stuff you have solo albums that you've done i've seen Mm -hmm. um are you still supporting those or are you just still just straight doing fog hat now and and touring pretty
1: much pretty much now i'm focused on fog hat um i mean there's no there's no restriction within the band i mean i can you know i can play whatever i want but yeah um i i'm focused on this because i don't really have time to do anything else you know we're yeah. we're either on the road or we're in the studio or we're working on new material or we're you know i'm working on the old stuff and you know we're it's just a full-time job so
2: what an honor huh to you're to be the, Dude, I'm telling you, the singer i'm, I'm <laughs> the
1: most great guitar player you've ever talked to in your life i promise you yeah it's uh, it's a blessing it's all been a blessing
2: so how did that all go down like how did how did you get that gig
1: i got uh, roger and i met up back in uh 2016 um and uh a mutual friend of ours put us together they were looking for an understudy for charlie who was their vocalist at the time and and so he suggested me as somebody that might be a a good fit so i I went down to florida to their studio and hung out with roger and craig mcgregor and and brian bassett and we we played some songs together and just kind of just kind of vibed out and and hung out with each other and and hit it off. You know, I hit it off with all of them. Brian and I immediately started, you know, playing guitar and and hanging out and talking together. And and Craig was just a, a, just a beautiful guy. I was so grateful that I got to meet him and get to know him some. Um, And then, you know, Roger and I just hit it off, you know, immediately. And just, and it was just all, everything was, was just magic you know and it it just worked for us so
2: so do you remember like the first gig that you you did and and what was that like were people kind of tripping out that it wasn't the the other singer at first and where you had you had some shoes to fill there for sure
1: well the first the first gig that i did with them was actually filling in for charlie they had this this last minute gig that came along and and charlie couldn't do it for some reason so they asked me if i would come and and uh fill in and i uh-huh. said sure and of course you know cocky me <laughs> i'm thinking I mean, how hard could it be uh-huh. well you, we get in a hotel room to to acoustically kind of rehearse the set and uh man there's all these 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 parts and these these cues and you and you 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 got to be here at this spot and this happens this way and 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 it you know it's just all blowing my mind because it, it was nothing like what i had experienced in the rest of my career you know with yeah. buddy he wouldn't even tell you what key he was in you just you figure you <laughs> really? it out you'll get that catch it and that's coming by you better grab it and and that's the way i learned how to play was was you know you're supposed to know every blue song that was ever written because buddy may play anything right and uh and I, now i'm getting off the topic but i gotta tell you this one story yeah yeah it's kind of awesome Where, buddy had this song uh called you can make it if you try I'd never heard it before. And and this is before the internet and before YouTube and all that stuff. So you couldn't really just, I couldn't type it in and find it. So over time, you know, he kept playing this song and we eventually a, a an arrangement sort of came about, you know, we started playing parts and, and this, and this song sort of evolved into this arranged piece of music. And so buddy and I are hanging out one day and, and we're talking and he goes, he said something and I, I said about the band and i said yeah i said you know it's like that song you know, you can make it if you try you know we, we've kind of we, we learned that kind of on the fly he goes well but you don't play it right and I go, really And he goes no no that ain't how it goes and I'm, <laughs> I'm like well, why didn't you why did you tell us her he goes no no it's fine you know it's fine the way you guys are playing it but that's not how the song goes <laughs> so then years later i hear the song and he's right. It, we're, we weren't playing it anything like it was intended to be played, but we we had another song. It was, it was cool that way. But that's how I learned with Buddy, and he and he would just you know. So when I got the the first Foghat gig, I'm in this hotel room and they're they're running me down the set and I'm trying to keep track of all these songs and, and wh- where these parts go and what's what happens here and what happens there. So we go to the show and it was us and Thirty Eight Special. It was in Colorado. And there was probably five thousand people. Yeah, there. that's a big
2: show, I bet. Yeah,
1: and I'm and I'm scared to death. I and, bet. And, you know, and and you know the the rule in Foghead is there's no drinking before the show, so I'm I'm no one needs a drink more than I do. <laughs> but there's no drinking before the show, so I'm on stage, stone cold sober, scared out of my mind. My mouth is cotton, you know, and 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 I'm I'm going through these songs. I'm trying to remember my parts, and. uh we get to the the last song, which is Slow Ride. Sure, don't fuck up Slow Ride, right? Not, not in Hat. No. So what does Scott do? <laughs> he he blows the intro so badly that we couldn't. You you know, sometimes as a musician, and you, I'm sure you know this too. You yeah. you can if you if you get kind of in a squirrely spot you can kind of work your way out of it (laughs) yeah correct it not this i was so so bad that we had to stop and start Uh, the song over rodney our bass player he just fell flat on the stage just fell out flat Oh my i was God. like well this is great so yeah. we get the song we we get through the song we're, we're done and i'm mortified you know oh, i'm yeah. thinking these guys are never going to want to speak to me again <laughs> and fortunately our manager was there linda and she was she was you know kind of building me up oh it's okay it's okay you know and roger was hugging me he's like man it's all right don't worry about it yeah and then our our front of house guy uh comes up to linda and he goes uh he goes, you know, I was talking to some people out in the audience, and I'm thinking, oh man, here it comes. And he goes, they were telling me what a great show it was, and then one of the guys said, "Hey, when did Dave lose all his hair?" <laughs> they didn't, they didn't even know it was me. And so, <laughs> so to, to back circle back to your point, sometimes, that, you know, I never really got a lot of pushback from yeah. from people when I took over, yeah. and you know that I'm that I'm aware of, you know, and I haven't seen any of it. Yeah, but uh, a lot of times they don't even realize that it's that it's not. The original guys so that's that's kind of i got
2: (laughs) i got to back up for a second so these guys called you up and you learned basically like what the songs were in the hotel room prior to the gig
1: yeah you don't know you
2: didn't go rehearse with them at all or nothing
1: no not at that point i mean i had been i had been down and rehearsed with them like a year before that yeah and then and then you know charlie was the singer there there wasn't really any reason for me to 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 be there yeah. I was still doing my own stuff so I wasn't really focusing on the Foghat music yeah. and so when they called me up I had like two days notice and I was like yeah okay and and you know Got the it, set. it was it was <laughs> it was tough but I then bet. so we get to the point where um we did uh uh we're, they were getting ready to do the new record which which is sonic mojo which is coming out yeah. in November but but they were I was down in Florida to help write songs for the record. That was the reason I was there. Um, And one day I I come back from a walk and Roger goes, "Uh, I need to talk to you about something. I go, okay. He goes, "Uh, Charlie just retired. I really, yeah. He said, do you want to be the singer in the band? I was, yes. He goes, do you need to call your wife? I said, no. (laughs) I said, I'm not calling anybody. I want to be in this band. So it happened that quick. So we went from working on new material and, and with the intention of putting a record out to me now having to learn the set for real. Like now it's, I'm not filling in. This is, I've got yeah. to be the guy. So the first rehearsal was absolutely horrible. You know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't straight, you know, and then you start questioning yourself, you know, you're, you're yeah. like, you know, i've been doing this for 30 years but all of a sudden i'm like can i even play guitar do i even know how to sing well, you know am uh-huh. I, i'm maybe i'm in the wrong business you know <laughs> maybe i should sell shoes or something and so they you know they they were patient with me and they they let me just i barricaded myself in in my bedroom down there in florida at the at the rehearsal studio and yeah. and just I, I didn't do anything but listen to fog hat Twenty four seven, went yeah. to sleep listening to it. Woke up listening to it. Uh-huh. Sat in my room, practice my guitar parts, got it all down. And it's taken me. I've I've been in the band almost two years now, and I'm starting to feel comfortable. <laughs> Dude, your your voice sounds <laughs> it, it, amazing. It only man. took me two years. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I you know it's uh it's it's a process for sure. I and mean, your voice, man, sounds amazing.
1: Oh, thank you very much. I it it's it's it was tough for me because Dave. You know, I I listened to a lot of Dave's stuff because I wanted to. I wanted to kind of pay attention to his phrasing. I'm not trying to copy Dave, yeah. And I'm not. You know, I don't want to be a mimic because this isn't a tribute band; it's a real band. Yeah. But I wanted to. uh, You know, when I'm doing Slow Rider, I'm doing. I just want to make love to you. There's some phrasing things that he did that I think are are key to to the presentation of the song, and you don't want to get too far away from that. So I really paid attention to his stuff. His range is different from mine he's he it, it it he's it's full voice but it's a higher range yeah so sometimes i'm real really stretching at the top of where i'm comfortable trying to get hit some of those notes yeah. um but you know i've i've i had a good vocal coach that a friend of mine she's a a vocal coach, and I went to her for a a sit down and just, you know give me some ideas so she showed me some warm up exercises and stuff to help me kind of do it and she, and she confirmed that it was high she, she said these are some high parts that you're having to sing i was like i know yeah so but um but you know and, and the guys are all you know it's it's the best band situation i've ever been in because everybody in the band is supportive and they're all about the end result which is the music you know let's 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 do, nobody's got an ego nobody's trying to yeah to you know make their part more important than your part and it's everybody's you know it's all about the music
2: you know the rule of no drinking before the show is you know i've heard of bands having to do that you know because i some think people it's a absurd him. rule by
1: the way <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm kidding i'm kidding actually i was you know i was dubious about it at first i was like i don't know about because you know when i was with buddy that's you know you you take a he takes a shot of cognac before he plays yeah that's i learned to do that yeah but but there's something about you know the focus and and this stuff, such there's such precision stuff yeah. happening that that you you can't really afford to to be at half step. You know, you you got to be on the top of your game. Yeah. And and so that I was proud that they that they kind of instituted that rule, and and I and I I believe in it now. I think it's it's for especially for this. You know, yeah. it's 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 important that you that you're clear headed and that you know exactly what you're doing.
2: When you're backstage, are you warming up your vocals or do you go through like a little thing beforehand or do you do to get uh warmed up
1: i do, i warm up yeah. I, I warm up i start warming up um you know i mean we we get to the gig about an hour before we play yeah and but about forty five minutes before I leave the hotel i'm I'm already starting to kind of warm up you know and yeah and, and uh you know you just it's it's a muscle you know your your, your sure. vocal cords are a muscle and you gotta you gotta keep them limber and 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 ready and um you know i do all kinds of little weird things you know like i'm, I'm <laughs> sucking on cough drops and i'm uh-huh. i got this stuff that my wife got me that I'd squirt in the back of my throat yeah
2: and,
1: and i do all these like breathing exercises that uh that uh, janet taught me and uh-huh. and and just kind of getting ready and then you know and, and getting psyched up too because that's the other thing I, I know i drive the guys crazy but for about the the last 15 minutes before we go on stage I'm pacing you know I'm 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 starting to you know like it's almost like a boxer working up a sweat before he gets in the ring got to get that energy up yeah yeah because because the way the show works you know once we start man it's it's like being on the front of a freight train it's it's going (laughs) <laughs> and and you know i've I've had to carve out a couple because i'm i'm used to talking to the audience and, and interacting with them and stuff and yeah so i had to carve out a couple of spots where you know they actually at first they i don't think they knew what i was doing but they're like well you know scott likes to talk a lot i'm like no it's not that it's you know i'm i'm drawing the audience and i want them in, in on this i don't want us just playing at them i want them to be part of it you know so
2: that's such an yeah. art in itself man in being it able is to but i learned out.
1: that from buddy Did you know you? Buddy, but he's got that million watt smile and, uh-huh. and, you know, I mean, he's, you know, there, he's got that thing where, you know, he will, he'll be on stage and he'll tell the audience to shut the fuck up. I'm trying to tell you a story, you know, and they'll the, they'll, <laughs> really? lose it. they'll just go crazy. And, and only buddy can get away with stuff like that. Cause yeah. then he'll flash that smile and it's like, Oh, he's, it's everything's okay. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, that having that interaction with the audience to me was just an integral part of, of, being an entertainer you yeah. know they're, they're coming for a show you know if yeah. they want to listen to the record they can do that at home
2: yeah exactly why do you think those songs are so timeless you know that they if they've written you know years ago well, you the, know you know the like, short
1: answer is because they're good right you know, they're, they're, yeah. it's good music yeah and and i've roger and i've talked about this before because when, when we start putting the set together you know and and you've only got like 90 minutes or whatever most of the time to, yeah. to play and they've got you know, this is Sonic Mojo's the seventeenth album. So, <laughs> no, I was checking so that out. There's I'm a like... lot of material. Oh my god! And, <laughs> and they'll start. You know, we'll start talking about some deep cuts. You know, well, we should play this song. This is a cool song. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have to take out this song. Oh, but I like that song. Well, we yeah. can't play them both. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something's got to go. We actually got into an argument one day. We were. It was. We had this. We were going to have to cut the set down to play this one show. I can't remember what what the situation was, but. We only had like forty-five minutes. Now you know, slow ride's like nine minutes. I just want to make love to you, is like nine minutes. So, so there's half your show. Right? No kidding, huh? <laughs> you know, 20... Now you, now what songs are we gonna play? So we start talking, and they're like, "Well, we can't take out this one because this one's, you know, we like this one." Okay, well, but we can't take out this one. So we're we're wrestling with this stuff, and and yeah. so I just, as a smart ass like I am, <laughs> I said, "Well, you know, I guess we could take out Fool for the City." and everybody just stopped and stared at me and i'm like look i'm just telling you you want 45 minutes you got to take something out Nothing, yeah all this stuff ain't gonna live so, so we ended up figuring out how to do it and 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 pulled it off we didn't have to drop any of the the important stuff but uh but you, it was it's i told roger said this is your fault you just got too many good songs i don't oh, know yeah. what you want from
2: me <laughs> do you guys do a do a new set every show or you guys have a set you guys just keep doing
1: pretty much the way that they've been working and and i'm still learning the process but but it looks like we we put together a set at the first of the year and then that kind of basically stays the set for the year with some changes here and there occasionally we'll add another song in usually if that happens i'll get a call from roger hey can you listen to such and such yeah. Which means learn it, <laughs> <laughs> learn it, and be ready to play it, and yeah. so then you you know then you go into study mode and and you start hammering that song and but um i mean it's 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 such a fun situation i mean it it's it, i'm I'm just grateful for it. I keep saying that, but it 's just true I mean at this point in my career to have the opportunity to play with these guys and play this music and honor you know the music of this this band's catalog and write new songs and play new songs and we got songs on the record that that kim simmons wrote for us um you know the great guitar player from savoy brown and and roger's longtime friend and and to get to get to play some stuff that that somebody like that wrote is is it's just a kick man it's all fun
2: have you have you heard of a fog hat tribute band no,
1: I'm sure there are the yeah, there, there 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 I, I wanted
2: to ask you about that. You know, being a songwriter and um, you know, original act and everything. How, what, how do you feel about tribute bands?
1: You know, I think I, I think they serve a purpose. Yeah, I think I think a band that that you know that has a, a catalog like Foghat or or like the Stones or or whoever. Yeah, you know, I think that the the songs stand up. You know, when you when yeah. you play a song like Slow Ride it's a great song you know and and i'm not i'm not opposed to you know i think the foo fighters covered it not too long ago did they really that's cool yeah it turned up on youtube and and you know brian the the other guitar player he wrote the riff to play that funky music okay so and he's so humble that that uh, you know if you don't know him he won't you know he doesn't just like go around saying that Mm -hmm. but but you know i told him i'm gonna get him some business cards that just say brian bassett i wrote the riff to play that funky music white boy (laughs) no way because that's That's that should be your calling card yeah but we were watching youtube not too long ago and and there was a video clip of prince playing it Uh and i said how cool is that that prince is playing your guitar part you know i mean that's totally a kick so you know for somebody to think enough of your music to put together a a a presentation and, and and play that music i think that's cool you know
2: yeah yeah for sure I mean it's like um you know, they're actually having concerts now where they have just all tribute bands, you know.
1: Right. And, right. And
2: um, you know, I'm kinda I I kinda have mixed feelings on it a little bit, you know, but I mean, I guess what an honor for one thing if your band is, you know, getting you know, recognized and and there's a, a tribute band to your to your band. Yeah. You know,
1: especially if it's good, if they're good. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you, know, you don't want a shitty a shitty tribute band. <laughs> with be like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> stop doing that to our music. So, tell, but, um,
2: tell me about your new uh, your guys's new record coming out and stuff.
1: Oh man, I'm so excited! It's um, we we put it together. It's called Sonic Mojo, and we yeah. did it down in Florida at the studio. Um, and it's it's just the four of us. And it's a celebration to me. It's a celebration of the, you know, the existence of Foghat and, and the fact that Foghat over the years has drawn from every form of American music. You know, it's a celebration of American music. They've they've done yeah. blues songs, rock songs, R&B songs. Jazz, jazzy type things and and it and all that comes from america and it's and it's you know i mean yeah it's chess records it's sun records it's it's you know specialty records out of new orleans i mean it's it's those those were the sources that they used i mean i was thinking about that earlier today you know i mean Lonzo dave and, and rod the songs that they wrote you know wouldn't exist if it wasn't for guys like willie dixon you know and mm-hmm. muddy waters and and yeah. chuck berry you know so so what we're doing with this record is we're we're continuing that thread you know
2: and are you guys going to be touring in support of this
1: yeah absolutely we're actually gonna um we've got a couple of shows planned where we're probably going to play all of the record you know Uh and then of course you know when we're when we're doing our regular touring you know you got to play slow ride you got to play i just want to make love to you you got to play Fool for the city so you know we, we we'll add some of the new songs in with that and and you know i think they stand up i think you know when you listen to the record you know everybody you know roger's excited about it which for me when you're talking about Foghat, roger's the the yeah <laughs> he's the final word on fog you know? <laughs> right? so, yeah. so he told me that one day we were talking about doing some song and and i said well uh do you think that's a a foghat song? Because he goes, of course, it's a fucking foghat song. <laughs> I go, okay, all right, yeah, it's a foghat song. So, I mean, you know that that's he's excited about it. I'm excited about it. I think Brian and and Rodney are both excited. I know our manager Linda's excited about it. Yeah. So, and I just can't wait for people to hear it.
2: Have you guys played it live for anyone
1: yet? We've done uh, we've done a couple of the songs. A couple of the songs are in the set now. We're doing, uh, she's a little bit of everything and a song called Driving On, which is our first single. Um, so they've already been out there and they're going over great. Everybody seems to like those. Yeah. Um, and other than that, uh, I know Linda's probably played it for some people. I haven't played it for anybody except my wife and Uh she dug it. So, um, that's that's my barometer always been my barometer if she likes it then all right i'm You're good okay. to go. <laughs> if, if she wrinkles her nose at it then i'm like oh, okay well maybe this does suck i don't know. i can listen to it again
2: so you've so. done it you've done that in the past i'm sure with with your songs that you've played them for an audience for the first time right
1: yeah, yeah yeah
2: and so what's that like for you like playing a song for the first time and the audience like really liking it i mean is that the best well, or what
1: yeah i mean it's it's kind of like you know uh, presenting your kid for the first time you know you you, <laughs> yeah. you, you hope everybody thinks <laughs> right. that, that your kid's pretty and, and yeah. smart but, you know <laughs> the yeah. jury's still out until they actually say it yeah yeah um and when it's a song man i mean art is such a such a uh a hard thing to quantify you know what what somebody likes and appreciates could be the opposite of of what somebody else likes and appreciates you know i mean mm-hmm. and and it's it's all uh it's all about the reception i told somebody not too long ago i think you know art isn't really art until it's received you know when, yeah. when you know if, if you or i write a song and we don't play it for anybody and nobody hears it it's not really art it's yeah. only art when you play it for me or i play it for you and you and and you you receive that and then it becomes art you know
2: this new single that you guys have, the this driving on single, mm-hmm. I get a feeling of, I'm, you know, after listening to it, I was like, okay, this sounds kind of, you know, it's definitely original, but it has uh, tinges of like, you know, Texas blues, uh, Louisiana blues kind of rock on it. Would you,
1: what would you, you nailed it. Did I? You okay. Nailed it, man. Absolutely. I mean, it gives we you that. We were sitting there, the way we, the way we do, usually the way we work, Roger and I'll start it off. We'll, we'll be sitting there. He'll be behind the drum kit, and I'll have my guitar. And, you know, whatever song we're going to approach, we start trying to figure out the way in on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that song in particular, Kim had sent us a demo of just him singing it and playing guitar, and I think it might have been a click track or a drum machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a real bare-bones demo. Love it. And um, Roger and I were sitting there talking, and I said, you know, man, I said, I'm thinking Slim Harpo. And maybe a little bit of John Lee Hooker.
2: Uh-huh. And he goes,
1: and he goes, boom, I got you. And he started playing the, 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 the side stick on the, on the snare, that clicking thing, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> and that sort of set the tone for the, for, the, you know, and, and, you know, the whole record was made with Roger having a, a damaged arm. You know, he had like this, uh, this shoulder injury and he wanted to do the record before he had his surgery. So he's in just ridiculous pain, never complained and never, You know never didn't record never said hey i'm hurting too bad to do this today he would we would go until he the pain got too bad and then he would stop but that was usually after you know doing four or five hours of playing and uh and this song in particular when you listen to it the first verse he does one big drum fill the second verse he does two big drum fills the end of the song he does four and they're and they're they're huge and it's almost like he's he's telling his his sore arm, you know, fuck you. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm finished. We're doing this song, and I'm going to do four rolls at the end just to show you that I'm not going to uh, you're not going to win over on me. Yeah. So um, he he, you know, that's it's a drum song, man, and and it's you know when you're in when you're in Foghat, those drums are are everything. That's what that's what we all key off of and and everything. What
2: was it like? I saw a video of you guys playing on these cruises, man. And yeah what's that like
1: man that's a blast is it that's a blast yeah my my wife uh she, i i insist on her coming on all those because she she loves the water and she loves cruises too and and um it's it's cool because you you know it's it's a, a community like yeah. the fans that are on those things they're not you know they they're they're glad to be there they they respect the music they love the the bands and and they're real respectful and nice you know they'll they'll say hello to you but they don't they don't like force themselves on your whatever and, and yeah. everybody's it's, it's a real congenial kind of situation the bands are all intermingling you see guys from different groups all the time and and you know and you're just you know you're chill on a boat and you play a couple of shows and <laughs> so hang out <laughs> so they
2: put you they put you guys up and and uh, yeah and everything and, and is it like yeah. a four day kind of a thing or
1: yeah, it can be, I think the longest one we went on was, I think it was five days, maybe or seven days, but we were, we were out and we did like, I think on that one, we did three shows, you know, you play one show and then a couple of days later you play another one and a couple of days later you play another one.
2: Can you feel the boat when your guys are playing? <laughs> like moving around? Sometimes. Really? Yeah.
1: Sometimes there was a couple of Rock times when you're, you're, yeah, you're on stage and the and the, and the stage is kind of going from one side to the other. You're like, oh, okay.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, man. So like those are those are kind of built as like classic rock uh, cruises or something.
1: Yeah, I think the most yeah. of the ones we've been on have been something like that. Yeah, we did one. We did one. Uh, my wife's favorite one was a biker rally, and we didn't know <laughs> cool. what that was going to be like on on the ocean. We're like, what? A, it's going to be <laughs> motorcycles on the boat, or and you know we didn't know what it was going to be, but it ended up being just the best time, and everybody was just so cool. So that's um, awesome. Yeah, so it was fun. So what's
2: what's next for, for Fog Hat? You guys are going to do this tour. Are you guys doing any California shows?
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll be in California. Um, I know we've got the, a record release party that we're going to be playing at the Coach House in uh, San Juan Capistrano in November, I think.
2: Yeah, I got it right here. It looks like it's uh, November 7th.
1: Yeah, uh, so we got yeah. that coming up, and, and we, we get to California quite a bit. I love going out there. I love, I love heading West, you know, I'm yeah. a Tennessee boy. Grew up in Nashville, but, but I like going to the West coast and, and seeing the, the scenery and soaking up the sun, and, you know? So what's the craziest that just
2: a couple more questions, if you don't mind. I, I, okay. I always like to ask this of musicians <laughs> that have played in front of like, you know, you've been playing for 30 years or more, you know, yeah. and I'm sure there's uh crazy things that you've seen happen on, while you're playing and stuff like that over the years, is there anything that you can share with us that
1: that no, comes to you mind? Crazy? I'm I got to tell you that stuff. No, I mean, you can imagine, man, it's, it's, and you've yeah. seen it too. The, the, you know, some people, they're having a good time and they, they uh-huh. make poor choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're That's the beneficiaries or the, we're either the beneficiaries of it or the victims of it, depending yeah. on how you look at it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah man it's it's you know what you what you hope to see as a a performer as an entertainer is people having a good time and glad to be there and enjoying what you're what you're doing and that's that's the best part for us
2: yeah absolutely you know i i'll tell you one man i was i was playing at a show uh years ago and you know how you see those uh those fights in um like an old western, you know those spaghetti westerns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit you not, man. I I was I, I got to witness a real one of those things. It was unbelievable. Like, you know, a couple hundred people fighting in a bar. Oh my god. It gosh. was unbelievable, man. And chairs flying and bottles flying and everything and my my band was no longer allowed to play at <laughs> that. So it was well, it was somehow I, our it, fault. Our fault, you the, know?
1: <laughs> the the rule in blues bands was if a fight breaks out, don't stop playing. <laughs> so, so we we knew if if, if there was you know if, we, if you saw a knife or a gun just keep playing keep your eye on that but but keep playing and don't you know don't lose the soundtrack so that's funny man so what is the
2: the latest music that you've been listening to like is there anything like i know you love the blues and and rock and stuff is there any modern stuff that out there that you are really appreciating or um yeah
1: i mean not- I, I listen to a little bit of everything yeah. my, my daughter my daughter keeps me tries <laughs> to keep me hip on the on the yeah, pop stuff for you know? sure. Yeah, <laughs> and my wife and my daughter both like a lot of the new country music. I'm a I'm yeah. a country music fan, but my country yeah. music is like George Jones and Merle Haggard and sure. White and Jennings and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, I'm not too too up on on the newer things, but they'll yeah. they'll play me songs and and I'll go I like that song or that's a good one, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know you just you. you everybody's got their stuff that they're into sure. and, and and you know i don't i don't think that it's that it's a bad thing if you if you listen to old stuff or if you know i don't think that makes you close minded. it just that's what you're into so yeah you know absolutely but i listened to a little bit of everything i was this this morning before i talked to you i think i've listened to hank williams and then Prince. i listened to dirty yeah. mind all the way through which yeah. is a great fucking record right yeah. You know? oh my god yeah. any all prince records are great records so that's right.
2: i you know i wasn't a prince fan and um until i went and saw him play so i was you got to see him live yeah my girlfriend was totally in all right i'll go see him you know and then after i saw him play and then his guitar playing i was like oh my
1: god yeah. this guy is talented yeah.
2: then i became a fan i was like okay i, I get this now okay
1: see yeah. i've been a hardcore prince fan since um since the record 1999, that was the first Prince record that I heard. Yeah. And so then I had to go back and, and, and get the, you know, there was four records before that. I got those. And then I just, I followed him. I, I saw him play live five or six, seven times. Yeah. I met him a couple of times uh-huh. and, and actually, the, the coolest thing I got to see him, uh, we got to the show early and I got to watch a sound check and to watch Prince do a sound check. He, he played every single instrument. He individually checked each instrument himself. No And way. when he sat down at the drum kit, he played like a drummer. You know. Yeah. And if you understand what I'm talking about, yeah, have yeah. like, I've seen guitar players play drums, and they sound like a guitar player playing the drums. Yeah. He sounded like a drummer. He played the bass, and he sounded like the bass player. Yeah. Keyboards, guitar, everything. He checked yeah. it all himself. Yeah. And and I was just like floored. It's just uh, when you see that kind of musicianship up close, it's it's just it's all
2: in Badass, ass. You know, he, Total he was
1: my favorite top three entertainers of all time is Elvis buddy guy and Prince. I saw all three of them live a million times and, and I don't of think cool. anybody could beat those three guys. That's incredible, man. Incredible.
2: Well, Scott, thanks man for being on my podcast. What a pleasure. What an honor. And I wish you the best with fog hat. I'm going to come see you at the coach house. No- awesome. Man. November 7th. Um, gonna work some tickets out uh, that way and then you guys are also playing it looks like at the belly up tavern in solana beach in
1: yeah we february. play solana beach at yeah in february yeah. yeah
2: so cool man i think I'll, I'll try to get to that coach house one for sure
1: absolutely man, hey don't, don't worry about don't worry about tickets i know a guy exactly we'll get you in
2: yeah i really appreciate it man it would be such an honor to to see you guys for sure
1: oh man look forward to seeing you guys
2: all right man well thanks again for being on my podcast man we'll talk soon all
1: right man thank you all right bye-bye
0: it's a guy jeans podcast